We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome back to the first episode of the DTF podcast this season where we have actual basketball games to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, I could not possibly be more fired up to talk about it with these two gentlemen. My name is Rob Doster. I have with me Taryn Togglesby, the man who is the jinx of Florida State, and John Fanta, the man oh. who somehow uh, made Providence the luckiest team in America. Once again, buy the t-shirt. You can find it in the description below. Field of 68.shop. It is Wednesday morning. It is 916 in the AM Eastern Standard Time Zone. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Fanta, how fired up are you The basketball is back? Man, you had two games in two days. You got to be juiced. Oh, it is beautiful the sounds of the game those are the sounds that you so yearn for in june july and august when all is quiet during the summer and you hear the pool the sound of the pool it's nice but it gets old i miss the sounds of basketball whether it be the warm-up lines whether it be the the pre-game lineups to you had that monday night just just the hype video and the build up to the game let's get ready to rumble and then we tip off and and on monday and tuesday night because i went from yukon to providence where they're always talking about basketball there throughout the year those fans are crazy i just experiencing that again and and for a providence rider game rob and terrence on tuesday night where there's twelve thousand people inside the building it sounded like february or March inside the Amica Mutual Pavilion, it'll always be the dunk. That was dunk. that was really yeah right. That was really amazing, and and it's the sounds of the game that you appreciate even more. Really. Mm-hmm. Hey, first of all, hey, can I can I slide something in? The way you called Providence lucky, and then subsequently uh, promoted a lucky T-shirt for Providence. <laughs> Reminded me a lot of when Brian Bosworth opened up a t-shirt company saying he hates the boss and then only sold them at opposing <laughs> venues. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, it is pretty smart. I like Look, that. Hey, if you're a Providence fan, like you just got to lean into it, man. How much fun is this? How much fun? It, it is. It could not be a more perfect start to the season than Providence coming off of what they did last season, right? Getting, having Ryder go nuts in the first half from three, yes. scorching hot, come all the way back and then find a way to win because a dude on Ryder fell down with a chance to win the game. Just f- completely fell down. It looked like Fanta out there trying to run uh, suicides at the final four court. <laughs> he, didn't really, catch an, he didn't catch a cheap elbow though. 
She, he he ran into me, man. He ran into me. Look, you got to get off the tracks when the train's coming, brother. Stop <laughs> it. Stop. The only thing that would have made it, the only thing that would have made it more theatrical is because the dunk has often been criticized for the way that it, it operates, whether it be with the roof or the floor getting wet, is if somehow the floor caused that to happen. Now, un- now unfortunately for Ryder, uh, it, it was not anything other than the kid just tripped. I mean, he, he yeah, legitimately yeah. just tripped. And, and you feel bad. They were trying to get the ball to D.J. Murray, which, by the way, when we talk about mid-major players, D.J. Murray, bucket. Is, he's a bucket. A dude. And Alan Powell was a bucket in that game, and Powell's the one who, who slipped and, and fell. And you, you feel for him because you look at the kid. Like, that's the other thing, guys. There's just so much emotion. There's so much emotion. On one side, you had Providence being like, whew, we survived. On the other side, I'm looking at Ryder, and I see Kevin Baggett, their head coach, and he the, – the facial expression was, how close did I just come? How close did we just come to, to being the headliner in college basketball? But those Providence Friars, you're right, Rob. It's only fitting. They were 11-3 and three in games decided by five or less last year. They only had one home loss all of last year. It's not pretty. Last night they were in major, major danger zone. Jared Bynum did not have a good game, but somehow, some way, I don't know how, by the grace of God, divine providence is what they like to say. They're one and zero. And let me tell you something: based divine on the first providence. couple, based on the first couple nights of the sport, guys, <laughs> if you're one and zero right now, you pray up to heaven because. Oklahoma would love to be one and zero, and Florida State would love to be one and zero, and they're not the only ones. Well, let's talk about Florida State a little bit because our own Terrence Oglesby was on the call for what I would say was probably the biggest upset of the first day. Every single top twenty-five team in the country played. Every single top twenty-five yeah. team in the country won, including TCU, who had to come back from twenty points down against Arkansas Pine Bluff uh, to find a way to win. They also dodged a bullet at the end of the game because they missed the front end of a one-on-one and the other kid came down and missed a run and missed a pretty good look shot that uh he probably makes about 40 percent of the time but to you were on the call florida state um before i, I want to talk about the fact that the most interesting thing that we have to talk about is florida state losing to stetson but before we do just kind of what was that vibe like i know the kid um I'm, what uh what's blanking on his name the kid that had 27 from stetson oh luke brown yeah luke brown. Went, oh it's, he's a dude he went bananas. And the crazy part is he only averaged three points a game last year for Ball State. But you could tell he could shoot it. And Ball State, I guess they might have handcuffed him a little bit because Donnie Jones just let those guys play. There were times like sometimes when you play these low major squads, they're smaller, so they just space the floor out. There was a couple times, guys, they were in a half court and there was nobody within NBA range of the goal and or of the basket. So Stefan Swenson, who's a very good player for Stetson, was able to get wherever he wanted. Uh, Florida State's got some issues. I think they're more so positional issues. Uh, Caleb Mills is not a point guard. Uh, Jalen Worley is probably going to step back in the starting lineup sooner rather than later. And they just didn't have somebody to make shots easier for their team. Uh, And Stetson did have that. But if there's one overarching theme, and I think this qualifies when watching Providence and Ryder play too, Teams early in the season, whenever you're playing low major teams, teams that mix up their defenses, mix up pressures, 2-2-1 back to 2-3, and then man on misses, and then throw a couple traps in there. Early in the season, that stuff works. 
because you haven't quite gone through a lot of those things. Like Providence is not going to see two, two, one back to two, three, and then another trapping defense whenever they're in big East play. Same with Florida state. Like you're going to see some two, three zone. You're going to see some pressures, maybe some traps when you play NC state, but for the most part, like you're not going to face all these switching defenses. It puts a lot of pressure on your point guard. And in a day and age, what's the biggest weakness in the college the buzzer. right now? Hit the, buzzer, the Hit the buzzer. Hit the point guard buzzer. Hit the point guard buzzer. But it's like that's the big that's the biggest noticeable thing for me right now is that point guard play at these high major schools, they all pick these players apart whenever they're recruiting him. He's too small. He doesn't shoot it. Uh, can he guard? Can he switch? They need point guards because yeah. whenever you're managing against some of these switching defenses and things like that, like they kill you. And that, that's, that's why State. that's look. Well, no, I was just going to say that that's part of why you always see Bill Self throwing these junk defenses out there. Why he'll the, the random triangle and two from Kansas always seems to get him back in games because you just don't know what to do. It's strange. Yep. And it's that's almost right. like it's tough. Yeah. It's T.O. I'm sure you've gone through this before. There's times where you find yourself just like so wide open. You're like, well, I guess I have to shoot this. But like yeah. this is it, it's a it's an awkward situation to be in. And it kind of when when you're out of so much about life. So much about shooting. I've never, had that. I've never had that. I've never had that problem. <laughs> never had that problem. I, I'm, shooting, so much about- I'm shooting a rock, Big Rob. I'm shooting a rock. Yeah, we know. I've, I've I've been watching the uh, the crew league. We see how you shoot it these days, man. It's a little no honestly, kidding, little, dude. I can't throw in the ocean. Here, here's I here's what I, the, I could throw in the ocean. Tio, we were but, talking about this the other day. Fanta, do you think that that Tio and RC are okay with having CJ Frederick on the podcast network now and knowing that they're nowhere near the best shooter anymore? Is that, I don't know. They, they they could very well take that personally. I think they, the last time CJ Frederick played a game was when I was playing games. So no, he, hey, he just dropped right twenty. Now. He just dropped check the box score, sir. We will not have that slander for beyond the arc uh, with CJ and Brennan. Uh, on, did did on he the write DC a thank podcast. you? Did he write a thank you not note to Casey Wallace? <laughs> yeah, he probably should have. I'm just kidding, CJ. I'm happy to your part. I'm happy your part. CJ. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed. To a field of 68 three-point shootout down in Houston come April. I, I think if we can find a way to make that happen and and get some content out of that, that is content machine. I need to see, if anything, Oglesby versus Childress in a in a, a three-point <laughs> shootout. That for me is is some theater. And then I just need to see like like Rob and Jeff and whoever else, even Carter, need to go through a rack, five racks of balls. Carter, get Carter out of here. Get Carter <laughs> around, out of here. The, around the arc. <laughs> um, no, I, I do want to ask you guys about this because I talked about it with Goodman a little bit on, on Monday night. Um, if College basketball having the dullest opening night in all of sports seems like something that's really dumb when you are trying to find a way to get a foothold uh, in a sporting landscape right now that just had the World Series end, that has NFL coming up on crunch time, that has college football playoffs dominating the discussion, that has NBA off and running, right, and with all the drama and storylines that go into any NBA season. Why do we have a situation where the best game that you can get is, what, Memphis-Vanderbilt? Is is George Mason at Auburn? Is uh, St. Louis against Murray State? Like, why Why are we in this situation and how do we fix it? Uh, T.L., I'll go to you first on this. Well, I was sitting here looking at the Kim Palm numbers. Out of the top 55 teams on Kim Palm, the record for the first two days of the season is 52-1. and one. The only loss being that of uh, Oklahoma. 
Like here's here, you could probably fix it by adding a scrimmage and adding an exhibition game and then jumping right in. Cause I, I feel like teams are still trying to figure out or coaches are still trying to figure out their guys. So it's like, well, let's hold on a second. I'd like to, you know, see our guys compete in a real game before we jump into the big boys. So I understand that part, but maybe add an ex, extra exhibition and then add an exhibition of some substance as opposed to like the Gonzaga Tennessee game division. from last Friday, like the thing that they did for the exactly right. Yeah, yeah exactly right. And, th- and then you don't have like Bryant winning by 105 points or whatever they want. Well, I think that there's a couple of, of things. I think that the first thing is, is that the fear from coaches is very real. It's very real of losing that game. And then a narrative being based off their team, whether it be in the metrics, which is factual or whether it be how we view a team. Because if you look, like for Florida State now, for Florida State, the amount of goodwill that they have to build to get some respect, it's going to take some time. Like yeah, it, but it, if it they is- but if they lost to if they lost to Florida on the first night of the season, it'd be whatever. The fact that they have stuff to rebuild is because they lost to There's Stetson. something to be said there. Yeah. 1,000%, 1,000%. But those two coaches, Todd Golden and Leonard Hamilton, you're exactly right in how you're phrasing it. You're exactly right in what you're saying. I agree with you. These these two programs should, frankly, they benefit by playing each other. They wouldn't be harmed. They But they're not playing each other on opening night. They're just not. And I think the other thing is, like, it's not as if, though, that scheduling doesn't exist because teams schedule high-level games starting next week. We really do have a lot of good games in the sport. And Thanksgiving week is jammed up, frankly, with too many good games. It's hard to keep track of all the good games during Thanksgiving week because all these tournaments are going on. It's over infiltration. As much as college basketball defeating itself on opening night during Thanksgiving week, some of the great games in the sport are going to get totally washed away. One, for the sport, but two, because you have football and the World Cup going on this year. I think, guys, Mm -hmm. the biggest thing that's missing from this sport is what we saw in this sport 15 years ago and that was the sport kicked off with momentum by doing the 24-hour tip-off marathon you gotta bring it back you gotta bring it back it builds buzz it builds nostalgia it gets certain programs on national television certain programs took advantage of that and got on national television and and got great exposure from it a game tipping off at 6 a.m., wherever it might be in the country, was was pretty cool. was pretty cool. It built buzz around tipping it off. If you're not going to do it with great, great matchups, then you have to look at it from one of two ways. You either, you build, gimmicky, yeah. either you build out a marathon, or two, what you say is, okay, ESPN or FS1 or whatever the, the, the rights holder might be, you're going to take your conferences and you're going to handpick two or three teams from those conferences per year. Everybody's got to take a, a rip of the Band-Aid off. We're going to pair you up with a, a great mid-major or with a high-level mid-major or with a high-level fellow major. You guys are going to play on opening night. This is part of this event. And guess what? Because we pay your conference hundreds of millions of dollars, Yes, we're doing this because we Billions. need to get some we need to get some ratings and we need to to be able to generate buzz and interest, which is only gonna help you and your 
program. There's got to be some strategy use because right now, right now, there's no strategy being used on opening night on a night when any professional sport or even college football in week one, how much buzz is there for any sport when it first starts up? College basketball defeating itself on opening night. The Champions Classic being moved back a week certainly certainly alters it, but there's got to be something more done because across the country on Monday night, you had a hundred and some games going on at one time. And guess what, guys? When we're not interested, the people that love this sport, the casual fan's not going to be interested. And yeah, that's not good. So, yeah, my, that's, that's my exact take with it. And I, I do want to put in the caveat here because I know people are going to yell at us about this. Tuesday night was – last night was election night, right? Midterms elections, pretty important thing in this country. Um, <laughs> that's why there was no Champions Classic on Tuesday, which is why the schedule got kind of shifted. Normally, that is the season opening kickoff, right? And normally, that is pretty good. Um one thing that I would recommend, and I don't know, Fanta, uh, hopefully your, your bosses at Fox will listen to this. Instead of doing like the, the Gavit games or the Big East Big Ten Challenge later on, like have that be the opening night thing. Have that be what happens the first week of the season is that because then everyone's going to pay. Like That's how you get that level of attention for a conference like the Big East. Like, let's be frank, when you don't have fan bases the size of Michigan's and you have fan bases the size of Villanova is like sometimes you need to find ways to kind of get into that market, right? Like, I don't think I'm... Can I, can I argue? Can I argue that? Can I argue that? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, the the only ahead. reason I would disagree with that is because your reputation is for your conference is built in this part of the season. So I would go against that train of thought, and I would go more towards what the ACC did two years ago. And what they did was they had their first game of the season be a conference game because you can make that up if you have a bad performance at the very beginning as opposed to your conference struggling whenever you play the Gavit game's first game of the season. Like, you remember how good the Big East did last year and how how much that improved the the, the nationwide uh, feeling yeah, and for what it's worth, the Big the, East. For what it's Go worth, ahead. the Gavit games do start in five days. Like it's not like it's not like the yeah, game yeah, yeah. But here's but here's the thing with but that. A couple I, of games trust me, I get it. Trust me, I get it. Right, and I think part of the way that we kind of need to view college basketball, and maybe it would just be better if they made this first week nothing but televised exhibition games that don't count. So we can have it be the second week of the season, be like, this is when it kicks off. We got the Champions Classic. But the fact that you have like a soft open for the season, it's just so dumb. Like you have all these people excited about it and they turn on the TV and it's like, yeah, fuck this. 
You know, the quality of basketball here isn't good. Yeah, Why am I watching? Like, it's kind of yeah, like week, week but, zero for football. Week zero for football is the same way. Yeah, but the college, the, the, the difference is when you are college football, you're going to dominate the college landscape until your national title game. That's just what it is. When you're college basketball, yeah. you have to kind of try to find ways to break the to break that momentum, to, to get yourself attention. And sometimes it's got to be gimmicky. Like, like Fanta said, a 24-hour marathon is entirely gimmicky. Right. It is yeah, the idea of playing games at four o'clock in the morning is so dumb, but so awesome and so much fun. And it makes people pay attention to like, why, why are we, why are we tipping off at six in the morning when you're, was it a, like Monmouth and I own a tipping off then like in and of itself, just in a vacuum, playing a basketball game at six in the morning is like, what the hell are we doing here? But yeah, I get that's how you get attention. At like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, but that's how you get attention. And that's a good thing because it brings like you kind of have to think outside the box. Honestly, you know what we need to do? We need to put John Calipari and Eric Musselman in charge of this because those two dudes know how to get attention for anything. So go over there. Let's, let's make them be the czar of the first day of, of the NBA. Go go come up with something crazy for us to do. Here Come on, Mus. Come. I know Mus listens to this, man. Come on. I'm begging you, Mus. Let's go find a way. Solve this problem for us. Stop playing North Dakota State on the opener. Play somebody, Must Make it happen. I'm calling them out. Here's the thing. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. Eric Musselman would, would take this on and, and do a great job of it. And we need coaches. The coaches got to be forward thinking in this and be willing to, to challenge themselves. And that's just it. It's not like they're not willing. It's just Terrence's. Terrence makes a really good point. Yeah. The, the Big Ten plays that. Get used to saying that. Get used to saying that, boys. <laughs> the Big Ten plays a week one college football game on Thursday night. Week one. The game was on Big Fox. It has been on Big Fox the past couple of years. This year it was Penn State at Purdue. Now, mm-hmm. if Purdue hosted Penn State in, on a week five Saturday game, it would be like the fourth or fifth best game. But on opening on that Thursday night, it was a huge opportunity for Purdue to showcase themselves. Everybody yeah. was locked in. You know how much money I bet on that game? It was like football's back, baby. Penn State, I can gamble on this. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> so I actually think that there's something to be said about a conference stepping in here. And like, I'm not kidding you. If you're the Pac-12, if you're the Pac-12, why wouldn't you do this? You know why? Because you're losing to FGCU. On opening night, Cal lost to who? Uh, they lost to somebody. You see, Davis, but yeah, you know what? You guys are both. You guys are both right because it, the, game. yeah, the the conference game because those losses. We know how important all that non-conference wins are to be able to get the metrics for everybody up. So you look better in the computer metrics. Taking the losses early in the season out of conference could end up bringing everything down, and coaches are scared of that. I'm sure conferences are scared of that. If you have it be a league game. It might take a league loss early on, but it's not going to hurt your conference as a whole, yeah. right? No, and it creates right. a date. It creates a date in January or February to give a coach some flexibility. It could give you an. And extra you can always five. make that game up. You, you can, can always that make that game, game up. up. Absolutely, absolutely. Here's another innovative way. Just saying, another innovative way. Why not start the season with a rematch of the national title game? Like it's a new college basketball mandate. You say, look, you make it to the title game. You're the stars of March. You're the stars. I know coaches might not be in favor of that, but we're going to start the season for the goodwill of fans in the country with a rematch of that national championship game at a neutral site every year. Do it yeah. at Madison Square Garden every single year. So I have I have an idea for you guys. Um, I want to know what you think about this. It's been an idea that's been floated by um, a bunch of people. I think Alan Bykowski, who's a Marquette fan, is has been pushing this hard. 
John Gasway and Andy Glockner back in the day used to talk about this. European soccer has something called the Champions League. I believe they have it for it's called Euro Euro League for hoops, right, To, where yep. if you win or you finish at the top of uh, your league in Europe, you get entered into the Champions League, which is all of the best teams in Europe, and they create dates throughout the season where you play group play. It basically ends up being like a World Cup kind of a setup. You get group play. If you get out of the group play, then you play knockout stages, right? We all know how the World Cup is set up. If you did something similar for college hoops, where the teams that won every league, right, the the regular season conference winners, you create a 32-team knockout tournament. And you play those games throughout the season. You you create specific dates. It'll be five rounds. It's five games. You find specific dates during the season where that takes up part of the non-conference schedule. And you play that out throughout the season. And the first round of those games is on opening night. So you get number one. Uh, I guess it would be like number one, let's just say Kentucky against whoever won like the SWAC. And then you have number two, someone against whoever won the, the MEAC, right? And you just kind of play that out throughout the year. And that's, a uh, to me, That'd be a really, really good way to generate entrance and generate buzz through five weeks of the season where, frankly, there really isn't all that much in November and December. Is that- I, I, I I love that idea, but you're going to have to make the season two months longer. Yes. I don't because I don't think you would. I don't think you would. All yeah, you would absolutely have- you absolutely would. You absolutely would. Keep in mind, too, their national their national leagues on their own. They only play one game a week, even in hoops. Like I was over there playing in Spain. You only played on Fridays. So like you had time to put those games in towards the middle of the week and it completely changed everything around. Now you have all these They build out, they build out the schedule out there with that in mind. Like that is part of the reason why you only have weekend games in European soccer is because during the week you play the tournament. Sometimes like for the premier league, right? There's something called the FA cup, which is every English team plays in the tournament. They have something called the Carabao Cup, which is every team all the way down to like the the club, the local club teams. So they build out those schedules so that during the week you can play all of these other um, other competitions. And maybe you need to extend the season out a little bit earlier. Maybe you just need to say, you know, well, what during that during those those couple of weeks, like okay, you got the week between the the, the time between the end of finals. And the start of conference season, there's three weeks there. You can get three or four games in that schedule. No one's playing anything during the week then anyway, right? You have a week right now where no one's doing anything right now between Monday and Friday. There's like Nothing is happening in college basketball. There were eight games last night. There's seven games tonight. Some of them are playing non-D1s. You can fit a game in here. And if you got to make the season a week longer, you got to make the season a week longer. If you have to find a way to say, look, you know what? In part of your non-conference contracts, you need to say you got to knock out one of these games just in case I happen to win the league. Then that's what it is. You move that game back a year. There's ways to make it work. And it would generate interest and it would create. Yeah, We see the NBA trying to create like in-season tournaments now. Here's a perfect way to create an in-season tournament for college basketball. And do it all in the non-conference. The one big the one big thing is the preseason. Here's where your point could could be morphed because you say maybe extend the season a week longer or whatnot. The coaches say the preseason runs too long. It runs too long. They get to the point yep. in their practices where they just want to keep the guys healthy, where they're 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 literally worrying about their guys facing each other every day that they're going to start fighting between themselves because they're facing each other every day. Just saying. So I do think that the preseason in college basketball now runs so long that maybe if you do start the season a week earlier, you could accomplish something. But the fact is, if you said to a lot of the coaches right now, nothing's going on, nothing's going on, the coach would look back at you and say, I'm 1-0, I'm 2-0, I got to get wins right now. 
I got to get wins right now. You know why? These coaches are up at night thinking about their MTEs Thanksgiving week, thinking if I start 0-1 and then I go 0-3, I'm done. And I better have three or four wins by then. I better have a couple of, of wins racked up. That's how these coaches think. And, and But I do think the, the, the last thought that I have on this is, is quite simple, and that is it's not as if in college basketball programs aren't willing to schedule people. You just got to get it now on the front end to create some buzz around your sport and fully understand here that there's no harm. There's no harm to playing somebody on opening night. We're not going to sit here. We've sat here, guys, after the Champions Classic last year. After the Champions Classic last year, I specifically remember us talking about, because it was Kansas who won that night and it was Duke who won that night. And I remember us saying on the air, Kentucky and Michigan State got things to figure out. But they got plenty of time. It's November. Mm -hmm. That's the logic. That's the rationale that has to be utilized when you've got these opening night games. These coaches have to be willing to understand that they, they, they have an eternity to figure it out. And, and, and correct me, right? The Champions Classic will be back in the first week of the season next year. This was an election night thing, too. Yes, I believe so. So the schedule got kind of messed up for that. But it's, it's I don't know. It's You want more than that. I know you want yes. more than that. You want more than that. Honestly, there should honestly be like one marquee matchup every night during that first week. Like, right. this is the best way to get your team on national television. And here's the biggest thing. If you are, if you are a blue blood, right? If you are a top 25 program in America, there there's almost no chance that you miss on making it to the NCAA tournament, right? Any team ranked in the top 25 right now is more than likely going to be dancing, right? It depends on, you know, maybe if uh, if you're a four seed or an eight seed, right? right? right. But all these guys are going to end up being dancing. You have plenty of time to figure it out. There, there's only benefit here. And if you're Michigan State and you lose to Duke, you know why you're playing first game of the season? That's not going to hurt you at all. It's a free roll. Because if you beat them all of a sudden in November, then you have this great win on your resume. So there's a lot of guys with a lot of cachet built up that should be able to find ways to make it so that we we don't have such a void of times. Like every Tuesday and Wednesday night throughout football season, there should be marquee matchups, multiple of them every single night in college basketball because there's nothing else for people to watch, right? Unless they're going to watch like their, uh, like an NBA game, a random NBA game, there should be a marquee college basketball game every Tuesday and Wednesday night. All right, I, I do want to talk a little bit about the games um, that did happen uh, on Monday. And, and I, you know what? I kind of just want to start with this. Like, I, I was I was pretty impressed with what Duke was able to do against a good Jacksonville team. I was pretty impressed with what Villanova was able to do against a good uh, – well, not a good, but against a rival in LaSalle. Um, I thought Kentucky blowing the doors off Howard without Oscar Sheebway, uh, without Severe Wheeler, without Damian Collins was pretty impressive. North Carolina kind of won ugly. But to me, the biggest takeaway, like Memphis might be really, really, really good. I, I rewatched them um, yesterday, and like they can really get out and guard you. So, T, I'm going to you first on this one. What was your big, major – uh, thirty-five thousand foot view takeaway from um from the first night of the season. Uh, kind of, I alluded to it at the beginning. I, I think point guards are undervalued now, and you look at Memphis too. That's an old team as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's there's so much influx right now as far as people taking players in transfer portal and all that stuff. Some of these teams that have some consistency with their roster are playing well early. Uh, but I think Memphis is going to be good because man, they're old, aren't they? Don't they have the oldest NBA draft eligible player 
I think he's 25 years old. What's the point? Power forward's name? DeAndre uh, Williams is older than Fanta. <laughs> yeah, he, I'm, he, I'm, he's not close. I'm not we kidding. I'm not kidding. Joke, but I, but he's close. Fanta, how he's old close. are you? Well, I'm 27. He's very, very close. Oh, damn, he's you got him. You got him. Yeah, he's really close. <laughs> I I think roster continuity is a big one, and then uh, point guards. Uh, I mean, at this stage of college basketball, is lacking. Yeah, yeah. My takeaway actually goes to the Atlantic Ten. I think St. Louis is the real deal. And and they're they are ready for the season and they're gonna make some real noise. I'm really fascinating to see them next weekend, the weekend after after this one, at Mohegan Sun, when they're in an MTE with Miami, Providence, and Maryland. Because I think St. Louis could absolutely win that MTE. And frankly, I would call them the best team of those four right now. When you think about Gibson Jimerson, when you think about Yuri Collins, and when you think about Perkins. What that team has in terms of options, like Travis Ford has options. He had two guys go for 20, and Perkins went for 21. The fact is, on any given night, the Billikens have a different guy who can step up and, and deliver that for them, and they rolled. I mean, they dominated Murray State. They, they beat him by 23, scored 91. Like, I, I'm really impressed, guys, with St. Louis, and I think – they, they showed me they're a top 25 team in, in the country this year. There were a lot of takeaways, but that was a result that I looked at, and then I see what they did from a, a distribution standpoint. Yuri Collins on opening night, guys, 14 assists, not a single turnover. Point guard play, T.O. They Point have play. Point guard play. There's not enough it. of them. Yeah, there's not enough of them. Early in the season, it matters more, too. I, I think point guards like Yuri, who have been with their head coaches, is significant, too. Because you see all these low majors playing these high majors, and they're switching defenses, like I said earlier. Like, you have to have some continuity there, and that's tough. Mm -hmm. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. I also will add, uh, I, I watched the entirety of the, uh, the Auburn-George Mason game, and I came away pretty underwhelmed with the Tigers. To be honest, like I, I th to me, it, they're ranked 15th in the country. That looked like a top 35, top 40 team to me. Their guards are still going to be the problems, like still going to have those issues. Uh, their bigs are just like Janai Broom was like fine. You know, he's big, he's physical, and and he completely overpowered a George Mason team that has nobody inside. Um, he had they, four blocks, huh? He had four blocks. Yeah, but I mean, it's George Mason. Like the the question George with George Mason, Mason he, he yeah. should have two blocks before the game starts. So here's here's yeah. the thing. Like that's just a that's just a horrible matchup for Mason because Mason's question marks are what are they going to do with the point? And 
do they have enough size and athleticism up front? And you know what Auburn does? They get out and they guard you for 94 feet. They dare referees to call a foul on every single possession. And they have just a yep. wave of like big athletic dudes that can go and pound you inside. George Mason couldn't get a rebound and they turned the ball over too much. And that's, that's what ended up doing them in. Um, and I don't think that Auburn is going to be able to do that to the teams at their level, if that makes sense. So I, I just, I was a little bit underwhelmed. One other takeaway from opening night. We might have bought too much. Guilty. Guilty. And I'm ready to say I'm guilty, even after one game. I might have bought too much stock in TCU. And I say that because I don't know, guys, like perimeter shooting was the issue coming into the season. And based on, it was one game. But like TCU, as tough as they are defensively, as great of a rebounding team as they are, I think I think they can make a tournament run. I think they can win one or two games. But I think some of us looked at them as, are they a top 10 caliber team? It's early. It's early. But that team really struggles to shoot the basketball. You know, against Pine Bluff, four for 21 from three. And that's what did them in last year when they were really struggling. They're tough as nails. I'm not going to write them off. I'm not writing off the Horn Frogs. But I think in terms of calling them a top 10 team, when you struggle as much as they do in terms of perimeter shooting, it's hard to be a top 10 team in the country. Yeah. Who, they, who didn't play? Who didn't play? Who Damian didn't play? Ball. Damian Ball didn't play. Their point guard. But, yeah, which, Their is, point guard. which was kind of an issue. Mike Miles had cramps in the second half. Yeah. And the part like the biggest reason they struggled in that game was Arkansas Pine Bluff like didn't miss a shot for the first 15 minutes. I think they started like 11 for 13 from three or, so, or maybe it was 10 for 13 from three or something insane like wow. that. Wow. And, That's it's just what getting, and then, they, then the rest of the game, how about them turning it on then? Yeah, what did you say 11 for 13 from three? Then they, they shot two of 21 the rest of the game? Yeah, it was yeah. something like it was something crazy. Like, wow. I don't have the I don't have the exact but I know they hit 10 threes in the first half. And it, it oh, just excuse me. I'm looking. Yeah. There's yep. there, there's there's gonna be nights where you uh you the team that you play just doesn't miss. And that happened on a night where uh TCU didn't have their point guard and couldn't buy a bucket. So um I also do think that like, they happened at Steph, around, it happened at Florida State. Yeah, who did who did they smack? They smacked around somebody in a scrimmage. So they definitely came into this game like feeling themselves like, oh, we're playing Pine Bluff. They rank 361st on Ken Palm. Like we're going to beat this team by a thousand. And you know what? D1 basketball players are D1 basketball players for a reason. Um, it is what it is. Uh, Creighton. Um, I don't know if you guys, either of you guys had a chance to watch that. They str- they were losing to St. Thomas in the second half. Um, I'm not I'm not worried about them at all. I, I, I am on the Creighton bandwagon. I've been uh, – calling them a final four team. I've been saying that they've the best team in the big East. Um, I thought that St. Thomas ran a lot of like really interesting stuff and re- had some, Dude, uh, they're good. Yeah. They're well coached. They pulled people away from the basket. They shot it well in the first half and Creighton like could not buy a bucket on open looks. I don't think Baylor Shireman is going to shoot as poorly as he did. I don't think um, as a team, they're going to shoot as poorly as they did. And, and Ryan Nemhard like was, was kind of bad. He, he can, I throw, can I throw some, can I throw a little caveat in there with St. Thomas? Because I think they're pretty good. The Tommies. Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota up until this year was the only Division One program in that state. So, like, St. Thomas was eating, getting a bunch of guys that weren't quite that level. But they were getting much better players. They've been good for a long time. So, it's, like, for yeah, the, the, the Great Lakes region. That's why the Great Lakes yeah. region has incredible Division Three basketball. Like, with the mm-hmm. Wisconsin State schools outside of Madison, like, uh, Wisconsin Whitewater and um, Wisconsin uh, Green Bay, like or no, not Green Bay. Uh, there's 
Um, I'm blanking on the the name. Well, anyway, they 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 like constantly make Final Fours and win Division Three Final Fours because you got all these like really good basketball players from Wisconsin that don't want to leave the state but aren't good enough to play at Wisconsin or play at Green Bay. So you have all these yeah, guys man, that probably should be like, yeah, it's the same thing. You have all these guys that probably should be like low major D one or Division Two, and they're all just playing D3 exactly kicking everyone's ass. Exactly yeah. right. Hey, another exactly opening night right. takeaway. What do you got? Coleman Hawkins keeps getting better. You know what? You know what Humble says about him. What? Humble says I'll believe in Coleman Hawkins when he doesn't do it against a directional school. He said that on our on our uh, Big Ten preview show. I hear who you. Did they, who did they play? Who did they play? They played EIU. They played Eastern Illinois. Is that but... a directional school? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It is. But I I think. Uh, I I'm just, with you. I'm with you. I'm just I think just because I think a lot of people see life after Kofi Cokeburn and Trent Frazier, and they they immediately make their conclusion that Illinois is not as good, folks. By being different and more versatile, Illinois is probably going to be better suited to win in March. Yeah, they, they, they get lineup versatility. We talk about that a lot with different. I love that Illinois team and, and Dane Danger, who played well 17 and 10. Uh, it, and like he's a good player, he reminds me a lot of Eli Thomas, who played at Clemson a few years. Folks, ago. look at so a trend, I, kind of the same kind of guy. Look at a trend, America. We're going to keep looking at this kids that joined a program in the second semester, what they end up doing when no one's watching them. I, I have UConn Monday night. Alex Caravan oh, is a real, sorry. real weapon for Danny Hurley. You know why? He spent second semester with the Huskies behind the scenes, learning the program. He trained with Shabazz Napier, and it paid off. And by the way, Robert, by the way, Adama Sanogo combined with Donovan Klingon is a scary one-two punch. The question now for the Huskies is can they stay healthy? Jordan Hawkins with a, a head injury. We're still waiting to hear what exactly is going on there. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to necessarily get an update until like right before the next game, but I, I would expect uh, that he'll be out for like there's no you're playing BU and a bunch of like there's no no point in playing him at this point. Like let him get healthy. He's had a concussion before, even if he's not in the protocol, like get that man, uh, get that man wrapped in bubble wrap for a couple of weeks. Um, last thing, T.O., Tennessee, your boy Julian Phillips. They're no joke. They're, they're good, right? Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of there's a lot of weapons there, and defensively they're always going to be good because Barnes gets those dudes to guard and they're tough. Uh, the one that I, I just it was an underrated transfer pickup. Tyreek Key can go, man. Like this guy, 6'2", 215 pounds. He's built like a brick shit house. Like this dude is huge, <laughs> and he can just find ways to score. He's smart. Hit four threes in their first game, and then like. He he's just another solid piece, a, a bench benefactor of coming off and playing against a second unit. Like buys into his role and he's ready to go. Now, did he? I think he started this game. Did he start? He came off. He no, came, he off, came the off the bench. Okay, so yeah, so he. Uh, but regardless, my point stands. Like somebody who can give them an extra boost of scoring. And then uh, Julian's pretty good. Went 0 for 4 from 3 in that game, but that's going to flip. I mean, the kick and shoot it. We'll see how it goes. But they they just they, – they're another team. Old, have big-time talent. Now they have an off-the-bench scorer who can change the, the flow of a game, can change the momentum. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Well, I like what Rick Barnes said about Key. And, and Rick, 
as as long as he's coached, like this quote says to says a lot to me. He said, "What Tyreek did is not a surprise. His demeanor never changes. He has been everything we thought he could be. He can be more." When Rick Barnes says that about you on night one, that speaks to me. Tennessee is better offensively. They're better offensively. They have depth and they have legitimate pace. The mm-hmm. Vols have real pace. They mm-hmm. did take a lot of threes. I don't mind it. Let yeah, they, it fly they, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, we need it. We need a 20-second timeout here. Terrence Oglesby is complaining about a team taking too many threes. <laughs> I, I, you all right, bro? 68 Is that a cry for help? For is that a cry for help? Do you need me, you need me to set? Do you no, need but they need this check? But the problem, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. They need, they need <laughs> to get to the cup a little bit more. I understand they shot it well. Well, actually, they didn't really shoot it well, 31%. Like, they need to get to the cup a little bit more to get some easy ones. They did smack Tennessee oh, Tech. On. Tennessee Tech's not going to be great, but you got to you got to find ways to put pressure on Wait them. Wait a minute. Yeah. What if I told you you're only going to take twos this game? Back no, but it, there needs to be an even distribution. 70%? I, yeah, that they probably took too many threes, but when you're up by 100, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. <laughs> right. It doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. Well, listen, um, this has been fun. I, I'm I'm looking forward to next week when we actually have like more interesting games to talk about. I am thinking uh, maybe Wednesday. We're gonna do this right here live on there. Wednesday when you get to Austin, To maybe or Thursday after we get home. There's got a oh, there's yeah. a whole bunch of travel going on next week, so we're gonna have to try to find a time to make a podcast work. Um, but whatever it ends up being, we will make sure that we get content to you because we're going to have the Champions Classic to talk about. We will be there. Uh, me and Fanta will be there. We will have Gonzaga at Texas to talk about. Me and T.O. are going to be down there. And I know that you guys have games coming up all week. So uh, for John Fanta, for Terrence Oglesby, this has been the DTF Podcast. Ryder, now you do know her. <laughs> <laughs>